Hello and welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. I'm Megan Silas. And I am Pam Marvin and we're glad that you could join us today. We're going to be talking about an interesting subject that came up with Megan. Megan, why don't you tell us about that? Oh, well, I, you know, one of our listeners uh, said that she would be really interested in hearing us talk about uh, forming and maintaining friendships in the digital age. Uh, she was yeah. specifically asking regarding her son, who he's a homeschooled kid. And so he's not, you know, going to school in a more social setting where generally we'd think friendship formation would happen. So she was kind of asking, how could uh, I encourage him to form relationships, friendships, when a lot of that interaction happens um, digitally? And the interesting thing about that is, I mean, we could certainly see that has been an issue uh, for quite some time now where kids spend a lot of time on their devices, on their screens, and, you know, nobody has... uh, had not had the experience of going to a restaurant, seeing a a table of teenagers together out for a meal and like all six of them are on their phones and you're thinking, y'all are with each other. Why are you not attending to each other instead you're attending to your screen? So clearly this has become a problem where even when you do have the opportunity to be together, people are very distracted and ordered towards their um, digital devices. But now in COVID land that we live in, um, so much of what used to be in-person interaction is now happening digitally over Zoom meetings and uh, conference calls, phone calls, all these sort of things. Yeah. So this topic is really even more timely in it the really sense is. of how do we function and have real relationships when so much of it's not happening in person? Right. And I think it's good to look at what aspect we know and kind of get that intuition that a lot of this stuff is going to be here to stay. It's not going to suddenly go away. Um, so I, I, what I'm hearing from you too, Megan, is we're going to talk about a little bit of the I don't know, kind of the ordered and etiquette that would go on to make this in a positive light. Because, you know, as we said off air, you were saying, you know, so much of what we think about with the digital side is very negative. And that is true. I do believe that's one of the way that evil can suck us in sometimes. But I am very interested to hear what you have to say about putting this more in the right ordered perspective. Right. And there's I think there are some real positives, some some great ways that we can use technology to connect. Um, But I also won't shy away from the realities that there are some very negative aspects of it as well. And I think it's important to cover both of those things so that we can be aware of how we can harness the technology that we have for the good, for for creating unity, for forging relationships, but then also be wary of the ways that we can fall into bad patterns of behavior that are actually going to hurt our relationship formation or relation ma- relationship maintenance. So, and I think one of the most important things when we're dealing with this topic is to acknowledge that as good and useful as these digital means can be, and even, you know, maybe necessary at times uh, due to limitations that exist, it's still always ideal to be with somebody. Absolutely. Face to face and shoulder to shoulder. Amen. Because the the power of presence of another individual, of being in their physical presence, can never be um, understated. It's no. just to be with someone is powerful. And 
impactful and the Lord knew it so much so that he came to be with us. Yes. I mean, the incarnation of Christ, I think, is the most perfect example of the power of presence and his continued presence in the Eucharist shows us that physical presence is important. An example too. Yeah. yeah so it's example. it's never to think that these um, interactions uh, over the digital means are in any way a substitution for striving to be with people. It's it's more something that can augment those experiences. Um, Try to be complementary to them. Right. Exactly. So I would like to talk about first. Then we'll talk about some of the positive aspects of technology, ways that we can use it that are good. And I think we can say this podcast, right? There you go. <laughs> I mean, for example, you know, I moved out of College Station five years ago. And over that five years, Pam and I did not have a lot of contact. We didn't get involved that much. But now we're here and we're having these conversations and they're meaningful and enriching and things like that for us, just the two of us to get together and have these conversations. But then hopefully <laughs> they're enriching those of you who are listening and bring others along. Right. Yeah. And bring others along. So the reality is that we're never going to get together for lunch and then invite however many listeners to this podcast to our lunch to have hear this conversation. Right. But because of technology, our sort of experience of having conversations about topics uh, that are meaningful to the day irrelevant, and yeah. relevant, like can be shared. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a positive aspect of technology at work in the world. Right. Yes. And sharing God's love for the airwaves as well. Absolutely. Very positive. So I would also say another way uh, that it can be a positive is um, when we are limited by location and time, these two things that so often are can be really out of our control to a large degree. Time less so. Location very much so. Like my family doesn't live in Texas. I don't have I do not have a single family member that lives within I don't know, probably not even a thousand miles of me. Really? Yeah. My family is is just I have people who live in New York. Actually, no, Florida is probably less than a thousand miles, definitely. So my brother who lives in Florida is less than a thousand miles, but obviously not a day's drive, you know, that you're just going to hop over there for dinner or something. Right. And, you know, my husband's family is all over the place. So we're not going to be able to be in our physical presence with each other in a regular way. That's just not possible. But in an in the past, when you could be limited to only like a phone conversation, and remember back in the day where like actually phone calls were expensive. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where <laughs> long you, distance you charges. Like, yeah, yeah, long distance charges. You paid per the minute and everything, mm -hmm. and so you were, you know, you were really watching your time if you were having a conversation. In this world, in the digital world, we don't even have to settle for just a phone conversation and we can hop on a video chat platform and actually see people. And right. interact in a way that's much more personal than it would have been in the past. Um, and so that can really help us stay connected to maintain relationships and to even build relationships when it wouldn't have been possible otherwise. So that's Very a blessing. True, right. 
I really enjoy getting to hop on uh, some of those video calls with my brother who lives out in San Francisco. You know, it's really tough out there right now. It's very isolated. So I've been trying to reach out to him a little bit more too, just uh, and being able to see his face and hear his voice is very therapeutic for me as well. Right. Yeah. So yeah, really seeing someone's face does it have, is, it, it's, yeah. it's important because I don't know, it's just something about the expression in someone's eyes and just kind of the tilt of their head or the lean of their body. You know, we talked uh, before about nonverbal communication and how important it is in relationship development. And, you know, that's something that we get the opportunity to experience more when we do have video chats as opposed to um, keeping it to the phone conversation. So, you know, it's a great opportunity. And I will say, I'll give the mea culpa right now. Like I have not done this well with my parents and my children. Like that's something that I really should improve on giving my parents the opportunity to watch my children grow mm. through, um, have, you know, arranging more regular video chats with them. Um, I, you know, I have fallen short on that. Um, so it's something that we have to be intentional about sometimes because, you know, it's easy to say, well, Oh yeah, we'll just talk on the phone because I don't really feel like getting dressed or having makeup on or having my hair done or any of those sort of things. Or I don't want to, my mom to see in the background how messy my house might be <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, right, right? right. So our vanity comes sometimes can get in the way yeah. of utilizing that opportunity to the fullest extent. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, just a matter of laziness. It's a little bit more difficult to arrange, you know, a time when people can be together on a video call than it is to just shoot somebody a text or something like that. Well, my mother really appreciates the videos because, you know, I'm a little bit more old school than you are, I suppose. Like just little videos and pictures of the kids or the the grandchild and the the great-grandchild. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure my parents would appreciate it more as well. So I'm, I'm convicting myself as we speak. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the positive aspects of technology that you've experienced? Well, I was very thankful uh, for Zoom. Um, I have a little prayer group that I meet with once a week, uh, Mother's Prayers. And we couldn't meet at all, you know, because of lockdown and some of the, in the group were worried and concerned about the virus. This is, of course, back in uh, March and April. And I was really thankful to be able to hear their voice and see their faces. What You know, you think about not being able to hear their voice and see their faces um, and not be together as a group. But this way, I could see all my friends there on the screen. I could see, hear their voice. I could pray with them. Um, it was really beautiful for us to be able to pray together. You know, it's not nearly the same as in person. Once we got back in, in person, there was like the overwhelming amount of joy in the room was so palpable because we were so thankful to be in each other's presence. But uh, I took the half step too. you know, if it was nothing or a Zoom call, I'll take a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that again, is it's a good attitude where sometimes we do get into this. It's all or nothing, right? I can either have the perfect scenario of getting together with someone face to face, one on one for an extended period of time or nothing. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's a bad mentality to get into because if you limit yourself so much to just those opportunities, you're, they don't necessarily present themselves very often. And there is a real power to, to being engaged in a person's life in a consistent way 
you know, in a regular way, like where you're really kind of in touch with what's going on and in, in more their day-to-day -day existence instead of, okay, well, we have two hours together. So fill me in on the last, you know, nine months of your life, right? Like right. you're not going to be able to go deep because there's too much to cover yeah. generally. And so, but if you're engaged in the little details of people's lives, because you're in contact and with some of these uh, forms that make it easier, then I do think that it creates a, a little greater level of intimacy than you would achieve if you stretched it out for longer periods of time. Another thing that I actually found in my own life that um, has sort of bared itself to be a potential for relationship formation is texting. Now we can often think of texting in the negative and maybe we'll talk about the negative aspects of it a little later because we're trying to focus on the positive up front. But I have really experienced the positive of it such that um, one of the beauties about texting is you can be in a room full of people um, and text privately, right? So what I'm saying is, say, for example, in, in my family, um, we do a lot of sitting in the same room together doing our own thing. And I'm totally cool with that. Like, you know, people want to read want to play a little video game, want to watch a show on the TV or whatever. We could do all that separately in different places, or we could be in the same room and experience each other's physical presence. And even though we, you know, taking some time to just do things we're interested in. And I, I think it's really important to pursue the things that you're interested in and enjoy. And if everybody else doesn't agree, you don't have to like always be completely, you know, enmeshed with each other as a family. Like it's nice to have the freedom to feel like you can sit in a room and do your own thing. So in settings like that, I've had opportunities to, you know, have text conversations with people that I wouldn't have been able to talk on the phone and still be with my family because of the privacy, because yeah. of the privacy and right. annoying other people or whatever, mm -hmm. but I can text. And what those text conversations have led to um, are sharing of things in a way that's a little more um, thoughtful in the mm. sense that when you're texting, because it's a written form, if you, if you make the choice not to just like, you know, converse by emoji, which some people do. And so you don't really like write things. You can, you don't have to text back like in a split second, you can take a moment to actually think about what you want to say and express it how you want to express it after having giving it a little bit more, you know, thoughtfulness. And so you can actually end up getting into some very deep conversations over the text that are maybe more thoughtful than they would have been even if you'd been in person or on the phone yes, because uh -huh. you've got that little moment to take a pause and to ask yourself, well, what do I really think or what do I really want to say or how's the best way to express that um, in the written word? And it can be this like foundation building for a relationship when you don't have maybe a ton of time to be getting together like, you know, every day, every other day or once a week or something. But it lays this foundation so that when you do get together you're building on something that's already been established a level of intimacy. Yes, right. And I think that's cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, so what do you got? Anything else with a positive? Well, yeah, I would say that um, 
one of the things that I like too is about um, just these kind of group chats. Sometimes mm-hmm. when we're planning, uh, just recently we were, I was on one that was planning to do something nice for a friend's birthday. So we were all kind of chiming in about where to go and what to do with her and take her and, you know, bring coffee or, you know, some cinnamon rolls for breakfast. And so that kind of organizational task that we can do as a group chat to, to see how things are going and, and checking in and just, you know, kind of a logistics logistics right. tool in that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was doing something nice for a friend, which that's kind of cool. Like in the past, you know, it's not like you would all get on a party line or something to right. a conference call <laughs> to talk about it. But, yeah, yeah. But, but I have to confess too, Megan, I am not much of a talker on the phone person. I'm mm-hmm. just not. I really do prefer a, most of the time the short and sweet stuff. I'm that way when it comes to phone conversations too. Um, I like the more involved conversation. I'm a talker. I am such a talker, but I do so much prefer it face to face. Yeah. Well, it, it is ideal for certain. Um, but, you know, if you just don't have that option, I've found that sometimes like a phone conversation can get into some areas that can be very intimate with if some some people like are actually um, struggle with sort of feeling comfortable with extended eye, eye eye contact, and you know if they're talking about something that's there makes them feel vul- really vulnerable or uncomfortable. Sometimes talking about it on a phone when they don't have to deal with what can be to them a very anxiety producing like gaze can help them open up. Sure. Interestingly, so. It's sometimes it's a, a a way to get into a, a topic of conversation that somebody might have shied away from uh, because it seems a little less um, frightening when the person's right. not right there. It's almost like, you know how they used to talk about one of the best places to have difficult conversations with your kids is when you're driving in, in the, the car. car. Yeah. And the reason is, is because you're not looking at each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like the person driving the car pretty much has to look straight forward. And so the person in the passenger seat, you know, isn't having that um, extended gaze coming at them. And so sometimes when the conversation makes somebody feel a little uncomfortable, it's a bit of an area that's, you know, sensitive for them or whatever, it could create a, a space and to be more open. So that's a possibility as too. too to, that's, a, that's a great um, tool to use with teenagers for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, I guess they're captive, so they can't get yeah, away. That's but, part of it. Someone could always hang up on you on the phone, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's their prerogative. Well, you know, in my line of work, I meet a lot of strangers. They come to me because they have, they need some help with their fertility and I find that just kind of setting up meetings and so forth over text message kind of, you know, ends or mutes that stranger anxiety. I mean, I mm-hmm. had it terribly as a young woman. Um, and so I always think about that when I'm working with new people. It's like, this is a gentle way, you know, to, right. to, to ease into conversation about setting up times to meet and things that makes it a little a little nicer. Yeah, and I think it is a common experience when you've had um, some interaction electronically via email or voicemails or this, that, or the other. And then at some point you actually do meet the person in 
in person, there's often that experience of, oh, it's so nice to put a face to the name, a face to the email, you know, to finally meet you in person. So like that comfort level of, you know, I got, I have a sense of who you are. And now that I'm going to, you know, get to experience the fullness of who you are, I feel a little more comfortable in that situation than to have gotten it all from the first bit. And I think that's being borne out a lot in the world of like digital dating, for example, it's Mm. become such a big industry in this country where, you know, you start to learn about a person over, a, you know, an electronic platform before you have to have that first date. Kind of safer which, that way, too. Yeah, it's a little yeah. safer, right? Yeah. You know, because, you know, you get a sense of a person and the way that they speak, the way they form their ideas, the way, you know, they write or whatever. And so, yeah, it can give you, you know, some inkling of who a person is. So you, you're not going into experiences of meeting somebody new with a total lack of, knowledge about what you're getting into. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, you know, um, on the topic of, you know, making friends in the digital age, I have to say I made a new friend over Twitter. Oh, it was very interesting. As a person, his Twitter handle is foot soldier for Christ at J tubes, tubes family.com. And I had just really loved all of the um, content he was putting out on Twitter. It was all very Catholic and always, you know, just not always. I mean, it was always what I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. The saints quote some of his blogs and it was so consistent. It was very edifying to me. So um, I had really benefited from his presence. So what did I do? I instant messaged him and said, would you be interested in coming on my radio show and talk about Hope in the Storm? Because he actually wrote a book called Hope in the Storm. And he turns out he's a motivational speaker who talks on this topic all the time. And he was just absolutely wonderful and delightful. And it's like... Like we were saying in the last episode, he was my people. You know? <laughs> he was just my people and really enjoyed that. But that's the first time I'd ever like met someone, mm-hmm. actually then had a phone conversation with him. And then, of course, a radio interview with him as well, all right. because of the content he puts out on Twitter. Cool. Yeah. And I think that is a great way to use these social media platforms to, you know, get exposed to people that maybe you never would have been exposed to. They don't live anywhere near you. Right. And, He's in Louisiana. Right. And so, you know, you can, you know, form some connections with those folks and, and develop uh, relationships over uh, that medium. But I do think it's important, you know, I think we've acknowledged there's some beautiful, wonderful things that can come from using um, digital you know, ways of getting in touch with people, uh, they can have great benefits, but there are also some, some definite negatives there. And I think since I just was talking about social media, like that's a place to start because I do think that as opposed to more direct contact via, you know, sending emails to an individual or um, text messaging with an individual or video chatting, these social media platforms, they, kind of take you out of the more one-to-one engagement. Personal. To, yeah. yeah, the more personal interaction to a broader sort of social milieu that can get a lot more complicated because when those sort of things come into play, people make a bit of a shift often towards representing themselves in a, in a particular light. Like they're more, it's can often be less real. 
I yeah. think, mm -hmm. because people acknowledge that this is going to be seen by a broader swath of people and they want to put on a certain image or they want to appear a certain way. And so we can get on these social media sites and see individuals, see them be representing themselves in a certain way. And we have to have a little bit of wariness about whether or not that persona that they're projecting is the truth of who they really are. Right. Isn't that where like what they call it social media depression came out? Everybody's life looks so beautiful. Mine is right. not anywhere yeah. near. Yeah. I'm not sure what the correct term for it was, but that's a real thing. It, people would be on social media too too long looking at these beautiful lives that were somewhat maybe enhanced, we'll say. Um, and that could lead to that depression, just being feeling like your your life is miserable compared to that. You know, life is is very difficult and learning to deal with that's a whole nother show. Right. And I do think that this is important to talk about this as it relates to young people very specifically, because unfortunately, social media has been used quite a bit for bullying. You know, the cyberbullying thing is a real thing. It has led to tragic results in the lives of a number of many children where even t taken their lives because of negative comments made on social media. And so there's the there's the active social bullying that can happen um, over the over social media sites and Internet and things like that. But then there's also this sense of um, there can also be a, a social isolation that comes. Like if you, for example, post something that you hoped was going to be liked by a lot of people or commented on by a lot of people and you just get crickets, you know, like no response, that sense of rejection that comes from a no response can actually be very painful as well. So that's a real danger of social media platforms where you can either open yourself up to harsh criticism or total um, rejection in, in not being responded to. And then you can start making impressions about who you are and your own identity based on these things that really have little to do with who you are and just yeah. perceptions or the goodwill or lack of goodwill of others. Well, you know, one, one aspect I want to approach is just a little bit different than that is I, I no longer am on Facebook on a, any kind of regular basis. I do it for work only. Um, and it's because throughout the years, um, I certain family members or friends would have revealed a side of them that I never knew. And don't really want to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, in some cases, the ignorance is bliss, you know. Right. Um, and this high-powered, contentious political atmosphere we're living in today, um, I didn't know a lot of the politics of a lot of people. And it just kind of made me sad. And I would just be like, oh, that's so sad. I mean, I'm... Don't feel like I really judge them for that. It doesn't make me angry. It, it again, it, it made me feel more divided, and and that just wasn't good for my mental health. It started several years ago uh, with family members, and and so I started to unplug even then. But even now, just just knowing um, more details about the way people think um, that I don't agree with, it causes more division. And I'm like, mm. you know what? I don't, I don't want more division. I want more unity, you know? So, um, again, I don't, I don't really get on there that much because, um, it can be very, um, 
what is it, you know, when you're really disconnected, the, the personal aspect of it, because perfect example, this is not my example necessarily, but my husband is very vocal on Facebook and can be combative and people come and take the bait, so to speak, and, and are combative with him. But when they see each other in person, face to face, they are very kind and loving to one another, but they can really go after it over social media on the, the those platforms. And um, that's just interesting to me. You're like, I guess you're hiding behind it. I mean, there's no f- fear of physical violence, I right. guess. I don't know. I think it's a really important point that you bring up. And one of the big dangers of um, engaging digitally is just as I said, it's almost the, the counterpoint to what I was saying when if you have a person who you know tends can be a little anxious about discussing things that are maybe more personal and that that sort of separation of not having the gaze or whatever can help them open up the the negative side of that is that you without the um sort of what's the word i want to use the way that being in the presence of a person causes you to respond to them in a With way more that's dignity. more dignity, yes. more more respect, more attention to how what you say or do is going to impact them. The filter can get taken off yeah. and you can and people can express themselves in ways that are maybe less gracious, more harsh um, than than they would if they were in person. So that is a real risk of it as well. Uh, that that's a negative. But I would also say that in a less like sort of mean yucky way, another danger with this, and and I think this can really be impacting kids right now, is going too intimate too quickly mm. over text and other platforms like it. Because you don't have that sort of, you're not gonna, you're not protecting yourself quite as much because of the 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 presence of a person. Like some of the things that you might text in that safe place of being by yourself, but sharing information, you might move into intimate conversation via text that is inappropriate for the stage of the relationship that exactly. you're in, yes, and I've you need that. to be very careful about that because you can get hurt profoundly if you share very intimate vulnerable things with a person because you feel safer because it's over text and then that's mismanaged mm-hmm. by the other person either it's not validated it's not acknowledged or to the worst the, the worst thing if it's abused and actually like right. shared with somebody else or or something like that so that sense of rushing into intimacy because of the perceived um, safety of that right. distance is a real problem. Right. And the other person may not be willing to to go there that fast. And so they're very like, eek, and put off by. And they might get scared wow, away. that was a little too much, too fast. Right. Yeah. And there's that whole thing of like, I, did, I never heard of it until a friend of mine told me that her kids told her about this term, but ghosting. Have you yep. ever heard the term I'm, ghosting? I have kids too. Yeah. So <laughs> for those of you who don't know what ghosting is it's it's basically when you've been maintaining a a relationship via text or whatever platform you're using um and you've been you know clicking it off going you know sending messages being engaged and then all of a sudden the person just stops responding to you just goes silent yeah and you what do you do 
if you don't have any sort of established physical you know presence relationship where you would have a plan to get together or whatever all you can do is like text them are you going to get back to me hello are you out there and if they don't respond that's it you're done you and and that can be really painful and really hurtful and so these sort of mediums can open us up for those things uh, that can really cause a lot of yeah. issues. I was actually just having a conversation with my um, 18-year-old about the Snapchat thing about leaving on delivered or leaving on read. So I said, well, what's the difference between the two? Well, one means it did receive on their phone, but they haven't looked at it. Read means they've read it. But they haven't responded. And so leaving on red is really, you know, one of those oh, mm-hmm. just so rude kind of right. things. Like, oh, yeah. you left me on red. Yeah, because so. it's a complete lack of acknowledgement yes. of the person. And we all want to be acknowledged. Right. And, and so you can kind of let somebody off the hook of like they just haven't seen it, which means maybe they're busy or, sure. you know, whatever. Not on their phone. We can respect that. Right. You know? And But, you know, to say they've seen it and then ignored it. That that's an, a whole other thing yeah. that doesn't happen when you're interacting in person, right? right? If you say something, the person's in front of you, <laughs> you know they heard it. <laughs> you know, and, and if they sure. they respond how they respond, but yeah. you know, so this this area of gray of, you know, ha, have they seen it? Have they read it? What did they think about it? Like they didn't respond. What am I? Right. How do I, you know, interpret that? That's a real danger, right, in relationship when all of a sudden you start trying to use your own sense of, well, if it were me, this would it would be what it would mean if that if they did that. That is dangerous territory when you start using your own criteria of behavior to judge the, the behavior of another person. And I think that happens more when you engage um, technologically than it when you're actually talking to somebody for sure for sure so i would say that one of the things um that is really important for me to bring up as we talk about you know creating friendship in the digital age is to go back to where we what we said at the beginning is the ideal is to be able to be in the presence of another person and and that is going to create the deepest most um profound experiences Mm -hmm. of relationship so while we use these mediums to engage and to maybe lay a foundation for relationship or even um, once a foundation has been laid and there's a, been a relationship established to maintain a relationship um, that in a more close way or more consistent way than it we could if we had to rely only on in-person um, interaction, we can never simply substitute digital relationship for in-person relationship. Like we should desire to create opportunities to be with people because ultimately that's what's going to enrich our lives the most Mm -hmm. because you can't hug somebody over the internet. Right. And you can't see a smile. Well, you can on Zoom, but it's not the same. It's not Not the same as being in the presence of it, right? And you know that physical presence, that physical touch, it's something that is important to us as human beings. Mm -hmm. And we are physical beings. We aren't just spirits that like operate in the ether, right? We have this solid aspect of who we are, and if we remove that from our relationships, we're missing out. Missing out on something big. So to my listener who requested that we talk about this topic as it relates to, you know, her son, 
who's a lot of his engagement is over the internet. It might be a beautiful thing as a as you, as a parent when you know recognize that so much of your children's interaction is happening digitally to try to help encourage them to create connections where they go be with people, you know, to encourage them to reach out and to say, you know, I've really been enjoying our time on, you know, playing video games over the internet together. Would you like to, you know, grab a burger sometime or just, you know, get together if that's possible because you live, you know, approximately. And if, if they aren't forming any relationships where that's possible, try to give them opportunities to be in places where they can. Yes. Because we shouldn't live our whole lives on the computer. Oh, amen to that. And when you are in the presence of people, attend to them. Put the phone aside for yes. goodness sake. Yes. Show that person that you're with that they're valuable to you, that they matter to you, and that whatever is happening on your phone can wait. That's so true. And how do we how do we get that through our little thick skull sometimes? I I, I have a personal problem with it sometimes because like, oh, someone texted me. Let me see who that was. And then I pick it up. Oh, then let me go check my Instagram. What's the Twitter feed like? Blah, 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 blah. Just a rabbit hole. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it is a that's a big um temptation. Yeah. And temperance, temperance, temperance. Yeah. So I would say the first step of that sort of thing, put the phone away like don't so often we put it out on the table right but that's that's basically sends a message that says i'm going to be paying attention to this and if it goes off i am probably going to divert my attention from you to yeah. it so if you can just have it out of sight it helps right because then you out of sight out of mind to a certain degree right in another room and if it's possible if you're in a situation where you know, I mean, sometimes it's not possible. Like you need, like if you need to know if your kid has some issue at school or something like that, you know, if you know that there's a possibility that you're going to need to attend something, it's one thing. But if you can put it on, do not disturb. Don't let the sounds go off either. Yeah. And ask yourself, do I care about this person I'm about to interact with? Do I really want this to be a meaningful encounter if so, prioritize it. And prioritizing it means putting the person in front of you before the phone. And the Amen. two ways in my mind that you can do that are put it on silent and put it away. There you go. Right there. You heard it. So. I love it. That's a good way. It's a good way to kind of tie a bow on things. Yeah. Oh, one more thing too, okay, though, I will say. And if that other person gets up to go to the bathroom, resist the urge to <laughs> to dive into your purse and grab the phone and see what happened while they were gone while you were go away from it, right? Because then what happens is if you get down that rabbit hole, they come back and you have a very hard time shifting your attention back to the person. That's right. Your mind's probably right? going down the other other right. path. Because listen, folks, we can live without being entertained for two minutes. Like it is possible to exist in the world without being entertained. And it might be uncomfortable, but that's okay. And truth be told, like if you're sitting at a restaurant or a coffee shop, the people around you could be pretty darn entertaining anyway. Yeah, what happened to people <laughs> you know, watching? Just wa right? Yeah, watch yeah. the people. <laughs> the, stay off your phone. Right. You know, attend to the people you're with. And if you find that you're not having times 
with people in their presence, seek them out. Prioritize them in your life because it will bless you. I promise. Absolutely. Well, I'm thankful for you today, Megan, as we're talking about that. Most of the time you and I have to communicate over text um, during the rest of the month. But today I feel especially blessed to be able to see your smile and be in your presence. So me too. Amen. So we hope and pray for a similar blessing for our listeners as they go forth, that they will have time to be face to face and shoulder to shoulder with people that they love. So until next time, God bless.